Hello, and welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from a church past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Hey y'all, welcome listeners, old and new. Yes, I called you old. Um, so a couple of things. First, you're, I'm going to try to edit out, but you'll probably still be able to hear this funky little sizzling in the background. It's because I am recording at my dining room table right now, and I have sausage on the stove because I'm about to make chili, and my house is going to smell delicious. Um... Hurricane Ivan just blew through Cuba and Florida, and there are millions of people without power and millions of people whose homes have been um, damaged, if not destroyed, from the flooding. So if you can give anyone a hand, um, oh, now I'm blanking, sorry, Red Cross and uh, Heart to Heart International are two of the best and most trustworthy. I'm sure there are lots of other good organizations out there helping folks, um, but those two I know are top tier. And you don't have to worry about, oh, is the money actually going to where it's supposed to go? Those two, they do. All right, so um, one last thing, and then we'll get into today's mini So This is my 50th published recording, which is really cool. And I'm specifying published recording because... Um, even though I tend to have, ramble a little bit and have like full-length minisodes instead of the 10 minutes that I originally envisioned, um, I'm not counting them as regular episodes. So regular episodes, I'm only at 34, but published recordings, including Patreon episodes and standalones, I'm at 50. It's very cool. All right, so here we go. Last week, I played hooky. Okay, not really. I... I did the adult thing, and I made sure it was okay with my boss, and I got time off ahead of time. But um, my friend Lily and I went to the Art Deco exhibit at the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. And I was like, Art Deco, 1918 to 1939. This is going to be great. I am there. And was expecting it to be about architecture, because Art Deco is an architectural style. However... (laughs) That is not what this exhibit was. Um, You know, it's titled American Art Deco Designing for the People 1918 to 1939. But um, it's actually about Style Moderne, which is um, a style of design from this time period that ranges from furniture, paintings, glassware, ceramics, pretty much everything you can think of. Quote, the distinguishing features of the style are simple, clean shapes, often with a streamlined look. Ornament that is geometric or stylized form of representational features, end quote. So, um, not disappointed while I was there because the exhibit is amazing, but in retrospect, ever so slightly disappointed that it wasn't about Art Deco, the architectural style, because I would love to see that, especially in a museum. Um, but super enjoyed the exhibit. I think y'all would too if you live in KC 
or near Casey, you should go check it out. Um, so it's a traveling exhibit, and it was, quote, organized by the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art and Jocelyn Art Museum, Omaha, Nebraska. In Kansas City, generous support provided by Linda Wood Small DeBruce and Paul DeBruce, Shirley Bush Heis- sorry, Helsberg, Dick Belger, and Evelyn Kraft Belger, Nancy and Rick Green, Marion and Henry Block Family Foundation, Richard J. Stern Foundation for the Arts, Commerce Bank Trustee, Atterbury Family Foundation, the Barton P. and Mary D. Cohen Charitable Trust. Sorry, that was a little awkward. Um, Hallmark Cards, Inc., J.E. Dunn Construction, National Endowments for the Arts, Tivill, and the Campbell Calvin Fund for the Exhibition Support. For exhibition support, end quote. Um, so it's it's a really big deal. Had a lot of people involved putting this together. And it is all about um, not just the artifacts. I mean, it's it's very artifact heavy. There's very little in the way of panels. Um, but the panels that they do have and the artifacts themselves, they're telling the story of uh, American culture and society, a little bit of the... Um, political and economics of the time period from 1918 to 1939, which is known as the interwar period because it's between the two world wars. So basically 1920s and thirties, 1920, you know, they just finished world war one. They didn't know it was only world war one at the time. World war two hasn't happened yet. They called it the Great War, the war to end all wars, because they thought this was so horrific, nothing like this will ever happen again. And then it did happen again because, um, well, not just because of Hitler. There were other factors, but mostly because of Hitler. Anyways, we're not going to get into that. Um, and so in the 1920s, everyone is so relieved that this war has ended that that's why it's called the Roaring Twenties or the Golden Twenties because, I mean, money is everywhere, booze is everywhere, everyone's just focused on having a good time, and the artistic culture of the time. I mean, there was already starting to be a trend before the Great War, but after this, it just it totally takes a turn, right? And you get this wonderful new artistic um, direction. And then, of course, everyone partied too hard, and then you had the Great Depression in the 30s. But there are still elements of that greatness from the great Roaring Twenties that are existing through the 1930s. So um, it's traveling nationally. It's not just here in Kansas City. And this um, exhibit, sorry, I was going to say expedition. This exhibit, quote, reconsiders this complex era in our nation's history through a dazzling collection of art deco objects. It also celebrates the contributions of those who face social inequities and explores the lasting impacts that this had on American society, end quote. It's really, really good. It's really well put together. And it's mostly organized chronologically. Um, Sorry, let me try that again. Chronologically. Um, Not that this object was made in 1919. This object was made in 1920 and so on down the line. 
But you can see from the way that they've set up the objects in relation to each other, the very subtle design shifts that take place during this 20-year period. Like I said, not very many panels, um, although each of the artifacts does have its little identifier card, um, usually with the... <clears throat> sorry, let me pause this for just a second. All right, sorry about that. I was getting a little bit dry-throated, and it was time for me to um, add the rest of the ingredients to my chili anyways. I also turned on the fan because it's getting a little toasting here, so hopefully that doesn't mess up the sound quality too much. Where was I? Um, just kind of describing the general exhibit. Um, lots of cool stuff in there. So there was glassware, ceramics, paintings, furniture, dresses, cars. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I think I said paintings. There's a couple of videos too. Those good. Um, so some of my favorite things were actually um, a couple of paintings by Aaron Douglas who I've not encountered before, but his work is really beautiful in a, a simple and yet complex kind of way. Um, so he's a Kansas native. He was born and raised in Topeka, and he actually taught high school at Lincoln High here in KCMO. Um, probably going to have to do an episode on him one day. He is a really, really big deal in the Harlem Renaissance, which they also talked a little bit about in this exhibit. Quote, he established a method of combining elements of modern art and African culture to celebrate the African-American experience and call attention to racism and segregation, end quote. So um, his paintings were not um, monochromatic, but it was like shades of red pink, shades of blue-green, shades of blue-purple, right? So it was all just very similar in color. And um, a little bit of... I don't think cubism is correct. It's been so long since I've taken art history. But, um, like, the people in his paintings were stylized in a sort of 2D flat... Um, way with sharp edges, right? Like, not curvy. Um, and he had one painting that was Noah's Ark um, with black folk, and then one painting that was... It was really cool, because it had, like, these rings in the background, and so there was the pyramids, the Great Sphinx, um, a couple of other building, major building achievements in between, and then like in the corner, which was supposed to be like the foreground, was at the time, you know, modern inventions, and again, black folks. So it was showing uh, black achievements throughout the course of history. It was, it was very provocative. I loved it. Um, there were two or three works by Georgia O'Keeffe, who is one of my all-time favorite artists. And, of course, three paintings by Thomas Benton Hart, Casey Native, naturally. You can't have a, a showcase on this era without him. Um, there was a rather gorgeous dress from the beginning of the exhibit. And it was uh, white or cream. 
and then it had golden accents and this beautiful um, like gold scarf but then it trailed really long like a train down her back and I didn't take a photo of the ID card but I do remember it saying that it was worn by a socialite I don't remember her name to the opening or um, maybe some kind of benefit and celebration of the opening of the Nelson Atkins Museum back in the 1930s. So now it's on exhibit. So like it's come full circle. Um, there were a few other dresses. That one I definitely liked the most. There were uh, a couple of pieces of furniture, a couple of chairs. You know, chairs from this time period do not look comfortable. They are designed so that they're just, they're really sleek and thin. And I like a big, floofy, fluffy armchair that or couch that I'm just going to sink in and it's going to be a chore to get up. Um, and there were two very cool lamps at the beginning. One of them I would totally have in my house. And the other one I was like, yeah, I would have that in my house too. But I don't know where to put it. My friend was like, oh yeah, like above the stairs. I'm like, oh, in my entryway. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Um, they're, they're just very, very cool looking. All right, so I mentioned cars a minute ago. Um, I am not a car person. My family will tell you I'm very much not a car person, even though my grandfather, um, some of my brothers and cousins are mechanics. Um, all I know is key goes in the ignition and you turn it on and you've got to add gas and change the oil once in a while. If they start getting into a discussion about cars, I generally try to leave the room if possible. But, I mean, if they're shiny and they're pretty, I like to look at them. So we had three beautiful classics from the 30s and photos 100% are going to be on social media. So make sure you check that out. And, all right, so... The very best thing about this whole exhibit, in my opinion, was this wall that was kind of towards the end. And it said, what was it like to live in Kansas City between 1918 and 1939? And then it was surrounded by photos from KC. Um, and I'm pretty sure that they were all from the, um, the Missouri Valley special collection in the public library and they featured people and places a lot of whom I've already discussed or even meant just mentioned on this podcast so um, there was a photo of the Plaza Lights there was a photo of Dante's Inferno which was a really famous club from back in the day um, Pendergast Benny Moten there were there was a photo of people waiting in a soup line from like 1928 before the Great Depression even struck. There was a photo related to Nellie Dawn. I don't remember if it was her or the girls in her factory. I kind of think it was the girls in her factory and haven't covered her yet. Going to one of these days. Very look, much looking forward to it. Um, but so this wall was a lot like Homegrown KC. It was like you know, here, this whole exhibit is about culture in general. And then here, this is specifically Kansas City. So that was really, really cool. 
That is all that I have for today. Thank you for joining me for this adventure mini-sode. If you have not been to the exhibit yet, please do so. It is $18 for adults. It's free for museum members. And there is a discount if you are a senior or a student. It is up until January 8th, 2023, so you have a few more months. I hope you'll consider becoming a financial supporter of the show. There are several ways you can do so. You can subscribe to patreon.com slash homegrownkc or redcircle.com slash homegrownkc. Or you can give a one-time donation at redcircle.com or at Kofi or coffee. I'm still not sure how to say it. Honestly, it's probably coffee because the slogan is buy me a coffee. But it's spelled K-O-F-I, and so my first thought is always Kofi. Um, but that's ko-fi.com slash homegrownkc. You can give as little or as much as you want. If you become a patron supporter, a monthly supporter, once you sign up, create an account, subscribe to the show, you'll be charged that day, and then on the first of every month afterwards. If you become a patron, you get three things. One, you get a, a uh, item from the merchandise store valued at $5 or less. You get a shout-out on every episode and social media post. So thank you, Bjorn, Joan, and Gina for your continued support. And you get access to exclusive bonus content featuring other local historians, archivists, and museum experts. Everyone who simply gives a one-time donation, you're going to receive a shout-out on the next available episode, but you're not going to get access to that bonus content or anything from the merchandise store. Um, additionally... If you choose to donate on coffee, 1% automatically goes to help fight climate change, which I am very passionate about. If you cannot support me monetarily, which I get, you can still support me by following and subscribing to the show on all my social media pages. I have Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and Tumblr. I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, it is my goal to put the show up on YouTube, um... There will not be a video of Laura, sorry, but I might do a slideshow. I'm still thinking about it. And also, rate and review me wherever you listen, especially on Apple Podcasts. You can visit my website for additional information on each topic. That's homegrownkc.wordpress.com. I really thought that I would have more web pages created over the summer. That hasn't happened yet, but I will be working on it as I go along. Um, especially once we hit winter break in a few months. You can also sign up for my newsletter there. Newsletter went out today, October 1st. Um, I'm not spamming you every day. That's really annoying. Uh, you're going to get an email once a month, usually on the first of the month, maybe within the first couple of days. And it's just going to give you a roadmap of, hey, here's what's going to be happening this month. Here's what I'm thinking about in the next month or two. Um, so it's a great way to stay up to date with the podcast um, and stay up with episode alerts. Um, someday I may start doing giveaways. Not sure yet. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or episode suggestions, I'd love to hear from y'all. You can email me at homegrownkcpodcast at gmail.com or DM me on any of my socials. To see what merchandise is available, go to zazzle.com, that's Z-A-Z-Z-L-E.com slash store slash homegrown underscore KC underscore store to see what is available. Thanks goes out to my very talented sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, who created my logo by hand. Um, she had to scan it to me through a computer, but she drew that by hand. 
uh, to the Dear Misses for the use of their song Kansas City as the intro and outro music of the show. And they are a semi-local band. They're from Lawrence, which is not too far away. To local libraries, which enabled me to gather all of my research. And to you. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Seem to get you off my